before we get into a discourse, a discussion about Doubting Thomas, I want to draw your attention to two short lines in the reading whose importance may have escaped your attention. First, in the gospel we hear one of the scriptural bases for the scent of reconciliation. Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Linking the Holy Spirit to the forgiving of sins means that it is God who is forgiving the sin, not the man, not the priest. So this isn't the basic forgiveness that we give each other in our regular life, but a wiping away of sins by God, working through the priest that Jesus ordained at the Last Supper. Second, in the first reading, we see early origins of the Mass that we celebrate today. Every day they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the breaking of bread in their homes. People gathered to hear the word proclaimed and then celebrated the Eucharistic rite. Within decades of the Last Supper, we learn from Scripture that what we call the Mass was a daily practice with the same format that we have today. The liturgy of the Word and then the liturgy of the Eucharist. Now, as to doubting Thomas, is it really fair to call him a poor or bad apostle for not believing in the risen Christ until he touched the wounds himself? After all, Jesus himself tells us, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. So this means that Thomas must not be blessed, right? Well, let us look at why Thomas should have believed without any doubts. Thomas, as an apostle, was present from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He would have been witness to many of the miracles that Jesus performed. He would have been at the wedding at Cana and seen the water turned into wine. We know that he was present at the raising of Lazarus, perhaps one of the greatest miracles of all, because there was consternation among the disciples about going to Lazarus because the authorities were looking to arrest Jesus. And Thomas is quoted as having said, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas would have heard the teaching and prophecy of Jesus firsthand. And we know that the Last Supper account of John, that he wasn't afraid to ask questions. Jesus, how do we follow you? How do we go where you are going? We do not know the way. So he had all the opportunity to know and understand the message and ministry of Christ. His own friends, apostles and disciples, who he had been living and working with for several years, whom he trusted with his life, were telling him the truth of the risen Lord. Yet that wasn't enough to help him believe. Let me try and put that into some modern context. 
Have you ever missed a party, a sporting event, or a concert? And the next day, you meet some people that were there, and they say, Rick, you missed the most amazing thing. I can't believe it. We're at the Neil Diamond concert, and guess who comes out at the very end? Elton John and Billy Joel joined him on stage. Ah, oh, and I missed it. I should have gone to that concert. That would have been amazing. Or you hear, you won't believe what happened at the party. John got down on one knee and proposed to Beth, and the ring fell out of his hands, and the cat got it. You should have been there. It, we're chasing the cat all over the place trying to get the ring back. Or Rick, you missed it. The timbers were down to nothing. They scored at the 89th minute and then came back and had two more goals in extra time to win 3-2 and beat Seattle. I would be kicking myself horribly if I had a chance and had a ticket to go to that game and passed it up to miss something like that. That's the sort of thing that's happening when Thomas comes back after that first Easter Sunday and everyone says, the Lord was here. And he's like, I can't believe it until I see it myself. Now you hope that somebody was smart and videotaped the concert or videotaped the proposal or yes, I can probably go and watch the highlights on the YouTube of the Portland game. But it's not the same. Looked at this way, Thomas looked silly for doubting. But was he the only one doubting? When you look at these first few days after the resurrection, there was a lot of doubting going on. The Gospels are full of times when the apostles and disciples didn't understand a teaching, a prophecy, or an action of Jesus. None of them seem immune to the problem of not getting what Jesus is all about. Jesus, Jesus tells them over and over what's going to happen, and it never really sinks into their head. Judas betrays Jesus. Peter denies him. The sons of Zebedee want the glory of sitting on his left and right, and without understanding the sacrifice required to be there. I could go on. There are examples littered throughout the Gospels. But Thomas's faith in the cause shouldn't be doubted. After all, he was ready to put his life on the line and confront the dangers at the side of Jesus when he went to resurrect Lazarus. When you look at the accounts, each person, when they encountered the risen Lord, they all had doubts and required empirical proof, that proof that our modern society wants proof based on their senses to believe in the risen Lord. Mary Magdalene, the first to encounter the risen Lord, believes that the body was stolen or moved, even though she encountered two angels and the risen Lord. She converses with Jesus, begging for information 
on where the body was taken. It's not until she hears her name spoken and that familiar and intimate manner that Jesus addressed her in the past. Only then does she believe. Mary. And at that, her eyes are opened and she recognizes the risen Lord in front of her. Mary tells the apostles of her encounter, do they believe? No, they doubt. In the Gospel of Luke, we know that two left Jerusalem after hearing from Mary that the Lord had risen. And they encountered the risen Lord themselves and confessed that Mary had told them of the risen Lord and that some even went to the tomb to investigate and they did not see Jesus. Yet, they're afraid and they're leaving. It's not until they have supper and that the risen Christ broke the bread in a Eucharistic moment, took, blessed, broke, and gave, that their eyes were opened and they recognized the risen Christ. Those gathered in the upper room on that same day have eyewitness testimonies from Mary and the two from Emmaus who returned to Jerusalem, yet they have doubts when the risen Christ appears before them. When Christ appeared in the room, they were startled, frightened, and supposed they saw a ghost. Jesus asked them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in minds? See my hands and feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit is not flesh and bones as you see that I have. The fourth story is one more example of doubt being at the core of the Easter story. We finally come to the last resurrection appearance of Jesus as he was on the Mount of Ascension. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus was ready to leave this earthly existence. Jesus had just told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. This was their last great moment together. This was their last time to be in presence on earth. This was their last goodbye to each other. And the Gospel of Matthew says, some believed, but others doubted that he would send the Holy Spirit, that Pentecost would happen. In short, Thomas is no different than any of the other apostles or disciples. He is just more honest about his doubts. And would we have been very different if our close friends had come up to us and said, you should have been here last night, Thomas. You missed something else. You missed it. You missed a great party. Jesus came back to us and he was alive. And Thomas reacted like most of us would have and said, I don't believe it. I believe it. Not until I can see it myself. The question for us is, what do we do about our doubts? Pope Benedict says that there are three positive things that doubt can do for our faith. One, it makes us address our insecurities. A doubter searches for God and the godly life. They are on a journey, a quest, 
a search to find God and the love of God. A doubter is a person who has a thousand questions for God, questions about life, love, God's existence, purpose, the divinity of Christ, and many other questions. Second, because it shows us that every doubt can lead to an outcome brighter than any uncertainty. If you were uncertain about the timbers coming back, how much brighter it is when we see the highlights and the excitement that those at PGE Park had. Third and most important, it leads us to the true meaning of mature faith. We outgrow our Sunday school theology and discover a deeper and wider faith. This encourages us to persevere despite the difficulties along our journey. Ultimately, Thomas's doubts led him to confirm his relationship with Christ. As we see him fall to his knees and cry out in understanding, my Lord and my God. May all of us who doubt and question come to cry out in a similar fashion on the day when we meet the risen Christ.